All right. I was trying to beg miracle to sit, but he says, no, I can't. The way I'm standing. So those of you who can't see me, just believe that I'm here. Amen. Hallelujah. Trust my voice that I'm here because I think this is a sign that we need a camera now. Amen. I'm afraid of miracle already. But we bless the name of the Lord for this morning and uh, thank you for coming to church. Uh, we, we are living in uh, unprecedented times in, in history, but the Lord remains God. Amen. I was sharing with those who came for intercessions yesterday that uh, there have been several things that uh, I believe God has been speaking to my life in this past week. And uh, one of the things I shared yesterday was uh, that I, I feel the Lord was saying one of the reasons why he uses the people so mildly that we call unlearned is because they read God's word. They just say, God said this thing, I'm going to go and do it. And the Lord was saying, the reason why I do that is because I honor my word. And sometimes we sit down and we begin to say, but could it be true that the Lord can indeed be a shield? Could it be true that the Lord can indeed be a buckler? Could it be true that the Lord can indeed be a refuge? We just have to take God at his word. Amen? And he will always live to honor his word in our lives. Amen. This morning, and uh, I just want to start a series, and we'll see how far God is going to take us. Uh, I, I, I trust God is going to be a two-part series, because today I want to talk more about God. And uh, next week, I'll talk about the other guy, the enemy. Uh, because both of them speak, and uh, I think it's important for us to first begin with um, the Lord our God. So I'm talking about how to discern the voice of God. I'll just share a few things. I'll not cover everything else. But I believe that what I'm going to share this morning is going to be very useful for you uh, in learning to discern the voice of God in order for you to be able to know the one who has spoken here is God and the one who has not spoken here the one who has spoken here is not God. Amen? I want to begin by asking a question. How many of us in this room today, you have made, you have ever, not you have made, but you have ever made a terrible, terrible decision, a very horrific decision, not bad, beyond bad. You know this decision is horrific. How many? I just want to see by show of hands. Okay. I'm speaking to the right people there. I am, I'm, I am included in that group. There have been moments in my life when I have made some really, really terrible decisions and some really horrible decisions and some really horrific decisions. Not just bad. I just know this is really, really terrible. And I wished in those moments if I could just have heard God's voice Maybe I could have made a totally different decision. So that's why I'm talking about discerning the voice of God. 
The reason I'm talking about discerning the voice of God, and I really pray that the Lord can help me, that I can continue speaking the way I'm speaking, because it makes a difference than shouting. The reason is because there's also the devil's voice. And uh, between those two voices, there's a very clear, distinct traits that you can be able to know the one speaking here is God and the one speaking here is not God. And those of us who are children of God, it's critical that we know the difference. We know the difference what is right and we know the difference what is wrong. Because sometimes the line between what is right and what is wrong is very, very thin. What is holy? What is unholy? So we need to hear God's voice. The reason why is because God, God still talks. He still talks in this day and age. And the devil also still talks. And the Bible says that the devil comes as the angel of light. So it's amazing that the devil can even quote scriptures. And sometimes I actually think the devil can quote scriptures more than we do. Because sometimes I think there's a habit of being lazy in memorizing the word of God. And there's so many things that we have done in our lives as children of God. And we have believed it is God when it was not God. Amen? So I want us to go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. And I'm going to read some very interesting verses there. Verse 12 to verse 14. Hebrews chapter 5. If you found it, say amen. I'll do this more of a Bible study, I think, today. If you found, say amen. Hebrews chapter 5, you're there? Okay. I want us to read from verse 12 to verse 14. And I want us to read it together. You're going to read it in your Bible. I'll read it in my Bible. Amen? Let's start verse 12. One, two, three, go. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Amen? A little bit of a background the, we, we've been told that the writer of the book of Hebrews is unknown. That's what we've been told, that the writer is not known. But at least we know one thing, that the people he wrote the, this book of the Hebrews to, we know them. So it was a group of uh, what we call messianic Jews. Because even among us, the Jews, they're, 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 
they are Orthodox Jews, and then they are the Messianic Jews. And the Messianic Jews are a group of Jews who have come to believe, who have been converted to Christianity, and have come to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, I've been to Israel, and uh, there are actually Jews who do not believe in Christ. There are actually uh, Jews who don't, who don't believe that Jesus is a Messiah. They don't believe he's a Savior. They don't believe he came. And, and, and they still believe that he is going to come. So, so they don't. There's nothing like, I, I remember last time I went there, there was a mention that there were only about 25,000 Messianic Jews. Only about 25,000 Jews who believe that Jesus is the son of God. He came on earth to die for our sins. He, ro- he, he died. He rose again after the third day and he seated on the right hand of the father. The rest, according to the stats we were told at that time, they don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. But I thank God for the book of Romans. It says, and all Israel shall be saved. So a time, it will happen. And, the, and one of the reasons, when you read the book of Romans, it says, the reason why we are in Christ today is actually to make them jealousy. So that they, they, they come back to the Lord. They, all Israel, the Bible says in the book of Romans, all Israel shall be saved. Amen? So this group of Messianic Jews we are reading in Hebrews chapter, in the book of Hebrews and chapter 5, when you begin from verse 1, you begin to understand how, why this writer of the Hebrews is, is laying the case as it is. But they, they are at a point where they are considering to quit, to quit Christianity. The reason why they are considering to leave Christianity and quit Christianity is because they have been going through a lot. They have gone through a lot and they are thinking, no, this doesn't make sense anymore. We have suffered a lot. They have gone through a lot of trials and therefore we are quitting Christianity. So when, when you hear people these days that they are quitting Christianity, people, people, it's very easy. These days, it's very easy for people to quit marriage quit the church, quit work, quit this one, quit that one. But, you know, this quitting business is for babies. Adults and endure things. Of course, I'll talk about several other things. But this thing of just, Chili John said you have quit. Everything you quit, everything you quit. Well, what are you going to survive? Amen? So, so these guys are at the point of quitting. And it's so common in our present day and age. They are at a point of quitting and they want to go. So the writer of the Hebrews is writing to them. He says, look here, guys. By this time, considering the time you came to Christ, by this time, you are actually the ones who need to be teachers. You need to be going around and teaching other people. But unfortunately, you still need someone else to come and teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. You've been in the Lord for 15 years. You've been in the Lord for five years. You've been in the Lord for 10 years. You've been in the Lord for two years. And you still want somebody to come and teach you about the plan of salvation. 
You still want someone else to come and teach you, say, okay, you need to read the word. You need to have devotion. You need, you need to pray. You still need somebody to do that. And this writer says, no, 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 no. Dear brothers and sisters, by now, you should have been the ones that are going out there to teach others. Now, if you are not able to go out there and teach others, then who is going to teach? So he writes to them and he says, you are still in need of milk and not solid food. You know, children, when a baby is born, it's amazing what happens. A baby is born, I think up until six months, if I'm not wrong. But all they are surviving on is milk. And I was listening to a preaching within the week, and it's saying that in the milk, there is, uh, there is all the medicine that the baby needs. Everything that the baby needs in order for the baby to begin to grow, the bones to become strong and everything else, it's in the milk. But at a certain point, the baby is weaned off the milk and is given solid food. And the baby knows how to digest in semen. Amen? So this one, he says, no, no, no. We don't need to continue dwelling on that. By now, you need to begin to take on some things. Since for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food, solid food belongs to those who are of full age. So, if, if, if you have a baby and uh, first month, second month, third month, fourth month, things are not... There is no change. You are going to get very concerned. And, and actually, I, I remember, I think, when our, when our kids were very young, in any slight little thing, we were tempted to take the baby to the hospital. We were young parents, and we're not very sure what is going on. So we would quickly want to take the baby to the hospital. I remember one time taking the baby to the hospital, and the doctor says, we know. There's nothing wrong. Why is because there were things that we, we expected to see in our babies as they were growing up. If, if, if they were just babies up until today, we could be very, very concerned. Amen? So he says, what chose somebody to be full of full age? He says, the ones that are of full age are those who buy reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, th so this discerning, we should be able to get to that point of discerning both good and evil. And, and I'm going to look at five things today and uh, we'll look at another five things next week. So today we are only looking at how do you discern the voice of God. Amen? With everything else that is going on in your life, in my life, and in society in general. Number one, let's go to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 3 to 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. I think let's do it as a Bible study. I want you to read with me, amen? So don't get tired when I ask you to read with me. Let's read verse 3. 1, 2, 3, go. I thank God 
whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen? Before I talk what I want to talk about, if you look in verse 5, it says, When I recall to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. It means there can also be faith which is not genuine. It's fake. Hallelujah. So it says, when I remember the genuine faith that is in you, and Paul, as he writes to Timothy, says, the first persons I saw this faith in was your grandmother, Lois, and I also saw the very same faith in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded that this faith is also in you. So, what I'm going to say right now, I am persuaded that you and I are operating in the genuine faith. Hallelujah. That, 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 that I want to qualify it. That I believe you are walking in the genuine faith. So, number one, when you are talking about the voice of God, verse 7 gives out that very clear. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When God speaks, he does not use fear. Hallelujah. He does not use fear. When God speaks to you, there is no fear associated with his voice. Any voice that you hear and it is associated with fear, that is not God. Hallelujah. And that's why I said today, Mundirole, I shouldn't preach. I should just talk. Any voice you hear in your life that is associated with fear, it is not the voice of God. Hallelujah. Fear is a demonic tool. And a lot of people do not realize this thing. Fear is a demonic tool. Anytime, anytime in your life, in any situation you are going through in your life, anytime fear is in the picture, the moment fear shows up in the picture, anytime in your life, that is definitely not God. Why? But the Bible says he has given us a spirit. That spirit is not a spirit of fear. It says it is a spirit of power. It is a spirit of love. It is a spirit of a sound mind. It means there is stability. 
The Bible says so many times, fear not, fear not. Why does the Bible keep on talking about fear not, fear not? It's because which are going to try to make you afraid. So he says, fear not. About 11 times the Bible says, fear not. About 50 times the Bible says, do not fear. And there must be a reason why God is busy saying, do not fear, fear not. The reason is, there are going to be so many things, including COVID-19, that will try to make you afraid. Now, what is, what is amazing me, and I need to share this with us as a church. What is amazing me is because there are all these many WhatsApp groups. And I can assure you, believers are busy reading more of what social media is saying than what the word of God is saying. A a lot of believers are busy reading it. I have made a choice not to read it. If I can disclose to you, the only thing I am reading about this COVID-19 is what is being sent to me by the Minister of Health about the statistics. But my eyes are not only going to how many people got infected today, Actually, my, my eyes are going more to how many people got healed today. It, it breaks my heart when I see the numbers, the number of people who are dying. Because some of the people who are dying are very close to me. But you know what? At the very same time, if you check those statistics, there are also other people who are actually getting healed. It's not everybody who is dying in Malawi. But, but I can assure you, we are believers and we are busy reading everything else. Now it's that one, now it's that. You're going to just bring this demonic tool called fear to come upon your life. That everybody you meet, you think they have got COVID-19. There are others who don't have. Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah. Any decision in your life, not only about COVID-19, but any decision in your life that is birthed out of fear, it's not of God. It's not from God. Any decision you make and you know, my decision Hallelujah. But any decision you make and you have made decision out of fear, you have given birth to that decision out of fear, that decision is not from God because God does not use fear to drive you to do anything, including being served. All the people who were served because they were afraid of going to hell, chances are very high they will backslide. But the people who were served because they know they want to be with God, they have understood about John 3.16, for God so loved the world, That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. People who understood that scripture and they came to Christ because they just want to be God. They love God. They want to be with the Lord and they're saying, God, have your way in my life. This issue is not about I am afraid of hell, but I love you, God, with all my heart. They are bound to have genuine salvation, genuine faith. But everyone else was because Anakopsis and he, Upita Gugahena, Upita Gugahena, Upita Gugahena. You know, the way we grow up is at a certain point we forget about this hell. So, any decision you make in your life, and you know I've given birth to this decision because of fear, including who you get married to, because of fear. Therefore, he gwembalendio. 
That one is not from God. Amen, church. It's not from God. You're just going to bring trouble upon your life. You get saved because you, are, you, you love God. I was listening to a preacher within the week. And he said something very profound. And he says, every time you watch a pack of lions going to hunt, the lion that is odd, which cannot run anymore after a kudu, after a zebra, after a buffalo, it goes on the other side. So, let's assume all of you guys are animals and I am the old lion. And uh, Tammy, come. So, I should have the young ones. Amanda, Tammy, come. Muemi, come. So, I, I need the strong ones. You guys go to my left. The strong ones. So, these are the strong ones. These ones are not yet worried about, ah, no, I'm 54, I'm not getting married. These ones are not. Okay. So these ones are still strong. They are still thinking about education. They think about boys, but they're not worried much about boys. So, this preacher was saying, here, this old lion will go to the right like this. And these young lions will go on the other side. I only have one job. And my job as the old lion is to roar. Right? Right? So, that's all I need to do. I just need to roar. So, I will roar. Now, all of you animals, guess what you are going to do? What are you going to do? Where are you going to run to? You run towards the young ones. You, all of you, you will run straight towards the young ones. And the young ones are strong. They have got power. They have got energy. Do you know what's going to end up happening? All of you are going to become relish. And yet, if you run towards where this voice is coming from, remember, I can't run. My energy is gone. I used to hunt like them, but I can't hunt anymore. So this preacher was saying, in your life, run towards your fears, run towards your fears. Don't run away from it. Run towards that. Run towards where the voice is coming from. Because chances are very, very high. It's just a voice. Hallelujah. Thank you, young lions. You can go and sit. The Bible says the devil, the devil, I want you to know, the devil operates by fear. The devil operates on fear. The Bible says he is like a rolling lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil will bring fear upon your life and you make a stupid decision. You make a decision that in your normal sense, you are even wondering, how could I make this decision? Including marriage, as I already said. You're so scared. That your biological clock is ticking and therefore, eh, no. Do not be equal and yoked with unbelievers is not true. Me, me. And, I don't know. You will bring trouble upon your life. You just bring trouble upon your life. Can, can you just face your fears? And, and, and stop making decisions. What I'm saying is stop making decisions out of what? Fear. 
Those of you who are my, my daughters, I, I, I don't use this all the time. But my daughters who are grown up and they are hoping to get married and all that, please stop wasting life, your life with someone who cannot make a decision. There are some young men who can't just make a decision. They want to go and consult their grandfather who died. They want to go and consult their uncle. They want to go and consult that person. They want to go and consult that. They want to first of all build a house, buy a car, buy a bicycle, which you'll be riding whilst they are riding the car. And, and they, want to, they want to do all these things. They are not ready to make a decision. Don't make, don't waste your time with someone who can't decide what they want to do with their life. They should be able to tell you what they want to do with their life. Hallelujah. But the man has no clue. The guy can make a decision. Don't waste your time with such kind of people. They are wasting your life. Hallelujah church. So number one is. God, when he speaks, he does not use fear. There is no fear associated with his voice. Every time fear comes in the picture, it's not what? It's not God. Amen. Number two. Number two. Let's go to Isaiah 28. I think I've happened around Krogokwanina. Does anyone else need me to explain more? And, and I've said it's not only to do with COVID-19, right? I've said about everything in your life, including investments. If you make investments out of fear, it's not God. It's not God. I'm, I'm, what was my point number one? I'm putting it as my last point. But I wanted to talk about this first. Because I'll talk about the last one towards the very end. It's not God. Number two. Let's go to Isaiah 28, verse 16. Are you there? Verse 16, are you there? Okay, let's read it together. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Are we together? So God says, I'm laying a, found, a, I'm laying a stone where? In Zion. And this stone I'm laying in Zion, it's a stone for a foundation. This stone is a tried stone. It's a stone that has seen a lot of issues. But it's a tried stone. It is also a precious stone. And this stone, I know it is a sure foundation. Now, the Bible says, whoever believes what I am saying right now will not act hastily. So when God speaks to you, there's no hurry, hurry in his voice. 
he, he will not force you to act hastily. He is not going to give you some quick deadlines that you not have time to pray, that you not have time to seek him, that you not have time to talk to anybody for counsel. Because in the multitude of counsel, finish this, this, this scripture. In the multitude of counsel, what does the Bible say? Sin is not what, so, Rosie is the one who is in church with me. Sin is not, sin is absent. It's not absent. In the multitude of, in the multitude of counsel. Yeah, I was wondering now, Rose, I'm like, Rose, are we together? In the multitude of counsel, can you finish the spirit, this, the, the thing? Are you in church? In the multitude of counsel, what does the Bible say? Uh, uh, brother gift. There is what? There is safety. Okay, so it says in the multitude of counsel, there is safety, but also at the very same time, sin does not abound. The reason why there is safety is because, you know, I, I'll say this next week, but I'll say it today. I'll, I'll begin it now. Do not speak about things you have not gone through. Don't try to give counsel to people on issues you have not gone through. It's a loaded statement, but I will expound it next week. The reason why the Bible says in the multitude of counsel there is safety is because a lot of these people have been through the situation you are going through today. And they are saying, when I was going through this situation, I almost made this decision or I made this decision and it costed me a lot of money. I messed up my life. So, my brother, my sister, don't do this. If you don't do that, there is what? There is safety. You are bound not to goof because there's a lot of that. There are actually about five ways for you to know God's will in your life. And one of that is to do with the, the authorities who speak in your life. The other things we'll talk about later. But what I'm saying is, God is saying, I have laid a stone in Zion. I'm laying a stone in Zion. And this stone I'm laying in Zion is a stone for a foundation. It is a tried stone. It is a precious stone. It is a sure foundation. You cannot doubt about this. So he says, whoever believes will not act hastily. So even though if the building is delaying to come up, you are not going to act hastily. What I'm trying to say is, whenever God speaks, whenever God speaks, God will always give you an opportunity to seek counsel. He, he, he's going to give you an opportunity. You go to people and say, I want to cross-check with you, Brother Namson. Could it be possible that I may have missed God? And you know, Brother Namson is sound in the faith. Sister Rose is sound in the faith. So you go, don't be a believer who does not seek counsel. Amen? So he says, will not act hastily. God, God will give you time to pray. You know, all of us, even those of us, if you ask somebody like me, I'll tell you that it was on 9th of August, 1990, in Malingunde, 
that I heard. Somehow I heard. My heart kind of was drawn towards one day I'll serve God. In 1990, when that happened, the first person I spoke to, one of the people I spoke to was evangelist Stephen Lungu. Because in 1995, I had an opportunity to go to the U.S. as a missionary to America. But it meant I needed to leave college. Are we together? It meant I needed to leave college when I had already repeated. So now I needed to leave college, take a gap year. And I went back to evangelist Stephen Lungu. And I said, there's an opportunity for me to go to America. Now, who in this room doesn't want to go to America? Muemi doesn't want to go. And evangelist Stephen Lungu said, my son, he cannot be God. And I said, why? He says, no. Macduff, if God wants you to go to America, to America you will go. But not now. it, It just doesn't sit well with me that you want to leave college, withdraw from college for one year, so you're going to go and you'll be telling them, Ndubanga withdraw from one year, Fandubita Kaiko America. school. He said, No, 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 it doesn't sit well with me. You want to make it sound as if it's God. It's not God. So to America, you're not going. And I had to listen to him. So to college, I went back. And you know, to America, I went. But I only went to America in 2009. You understand what I'm saying? So you need to have people who speak into your life. Who says, Chonde, don't do this. Amen? Because sometimes you feel like, Akukutsekereza, Akukupondereza, They will even tell you, this man, Angokuman and I for the first time, and they say, this man, uh-uh, something doesn't sit well with me, don't get married to this one. They, they wish you well. Sing it. Faith. Today, today I just want to talk to you guys. Because you know these kind of things. There are people. God is going to give you an opportunity to do research. Be like the Christians in Berea. Even the things I say in church. Go back home. Search the scriptures. In his mind. Or oh, it was God indeed. But when I say, no, it's God. Listen to me. It's God. It's God. Chances are very high I'm trying to hide something. Let me give you a chance and say, go and search the scriptures for yourself. And whether I'm lying or not lying, but go search the scriptures. Come back and let me know. Even some, I, our pastor named Zuz, he told us, and this, I, know, I, I feel like God is sending me, wants me to go to Mzuzu. I said, okay, brother, whether that could be God wants you to start another ministry or he wants you to join us in our ministry, I want you to take some time to go and pray about this thing. Come back to me. He went back to prayer. I did not force him and say like, hey, you see God? Us. Huh? There is no quick deadline. God will give you an opportunity to do a due diligence. Amen. But if you meet somebody and he says, decide today, decide now. It's not God. Hallelujah. Because that one happens quite a lot with people who do marketing. 
They will come to you and say, you have never seen a spare part like this. This one, this one. You buy now, you buy now, you buy now. You mean, you, and, okay, I'll talk marriage summit. But you know what? The way I have known about God, it says, to God, it says, one day is like a what? A thousand years? A thousand years is like what? One day. God doesn't rush. When I had the call from God in 1990, I was only released to go into ministry in 2012, after 22 years. How many years was Jesus in ministry? Three years. I meet some young people and then I know God has called me. God has called me. I go like, you know what? I've been in ministry. I have seen things. And I want you to know, you will see things. This one, sit down. After God gives you a call, he will give you an opportunity for training. And after the training, he will commission you. But a lot of people want to jump from calling to commissioning. Chances are you will mess up. You will mess up. I'm telling you. It could actually be God calling you indeed. But you never allowed yourself to be trained, to be groomed, to be prepared. You rushed into ministry. You will not survive. When you see all these other ones who have survived a long time, go ask them the secret. They were more in the oven for a long time before God released them. You don't give me an opportunity to preach. Because I know sometimes you come on the pulpit, you speak things you are not supposed to speak. You destroy the church. So it will take me a long time to try to bring the church together again. You spoke in a hurry. Hallelujah. Don't rush into decisions. Take your time. Including Kumfomeramund. I don't know why I'm talking about this. I think somebody has been proposed to this week. But you know what? Don't rush. Take your time. Check, check about. I mean, not because you were so desperate. Then you rush into that. You mess up. You come back crying. Pastor, I wish I knew. No, you didn't seek counsel. Amen? Anybody who pressurizes you to make a quick decision, it's not God. Hallelujah. If you have done research, you have done research, you have been wanting to buy a car, so you've done research about that car, you've, you, you, you've asked other people about it, you, 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 you have taken time to pray, you have taken time to seek God, and you have done your due diligence, and then an opportunity comes. Because all these things you have already done, then I would say go for it. But if you have not taken time to pray, you have not taken time to seek God, you have not taken time to talk to anybody about it, you have not taken time to do research, you have never taken time to do due diligence, and an opportunity just shows up, uh, my advice this morning is stand off. Because if that opportunity has come, it means another opportunity what? Come again. That is not the Alpha and Omega. Amen, church? Because this used to be my problem. If you tell me anything else, uh, uh, 
These days have, have, have tended to come down a little bit. But I discovered it wasn't God. I was doing it in the name of faith. It was actually foolishness. It was foolishness. People who know me, they, they will tell you that. But Pastor McDowell, you, you tell him this now? You, fasting. Yes, we are, we are going into fasting now. These days, I'm, these days I'll say, Ambuye Mufuna Nije and Isaje. And, and you know, there are other people who come to you and say, the Lord has spoken to me. Anything that God would want you to get involved in, and if he has spoken to someone else, he will speak to you also about it. He cannot only speak to one person and, and, and a thing that you need to commit to and make a decision about, which is going to involve you, the Lord will give you an opportunity to speak to you. And when they are coming, they are coming to speak to you as a confirmation. But there are men, there are young men who come to me. God has spoken to me that you will be my wife. And my wife you will be. That's not God. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, my, oh the, my younger sisters in church say what? Amen. Don't, don't go with that man. That one is a zobo. Don't go with that man. He comes and says, God has spoken to me. And he says, you will be my wife. And my wife you will be. Make a decision now. Or even let us, let us go to your uncle. This is the reason why when you go into a relationship in KICC, we tell you, we cancel you for six months. We cancel you for six months. We, we, we talk about everything. And I normally advise people, don't rush into marriage. Three months, you're already gone. Give it one year, 18 months. Let's see what's going to happen. Because chances are very high. You may have listened to the devil. And uh, you thought this one is Boaz when it was Bozo or Bozobo. I've gotten to the point of telling people that, you know what? Even engagement is not a proof of a wedding. Booking a hall is not a proof of a wedding. Chinghoso is not a proof of a wedding. The only time that we say, it's when you have said, I do. That's why we even give an opportunity and say, even at that point in time, don't be intimidated by the people of come. You can change your mind and say, hey, I just discovered last night. I'm not going ahead with this man. Hallelujah. You, you think those things just happen in church? There's a reason why. Even after he has said, I do, Cindy, you have got a right to say, I don't do. <laughs> People say love is blind. Marriage is an eye opener. Your eyes will open, pop, in marriage. And you begin to say, I wish. No, Why were you not listening? So, with God, his voice, he is not going to give you a quick deadline. He's not going to tell you, hurry, hurry. Now, 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 no, no. You know, after, after uh, I'm sorry, but after these things happened, in uh, 1999, after we got married, I was interpreting for, he's now going to be with the Lord, Pastor Shanks Kaunda Sr., we were having, we were then in, 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 in our former church. 
and I was interpreting for him. We were having a marriage seminar at that time. We had rented Zomba Baptist Church. So in the middle of interpreting for him, he stopped. And he says, the Lord is telling me that he has called me into ministry. Where is anointing oil? So he got anointing oil, prayed for me, anointed me with the anointing oil. And he said, God has called you into ministry. Number one. Number two. I was interpreting for Apostle Enoch Steamer at Kamsa Institute for Sports at one time. In the middle of the preaching, he stops and he says, God has called, has told me I should anoint you right now because he has called you into ministry. And he stopped, took anointing oil. This is Chirada Maina. Bishop Israel Mpinda was there. He was my pastor at the time. Took the anointing oil. They anointed me at Kamsa Institute for Sports. Apostle Steamer stood on the side and I carried on with his preaching. Then he came back. We carried on. When he was finishing, he said, tomorrow morning, meet me at Capitol Hotel. I'm going to take this jacket, these trousers, this shirt, this tie, and everything else. I'm passing on the mantle to you. You know, the next thing that happened, God took me out of Malawi. Went to Ghana. But before that, when I was very desperate for a job, I went to Bible Society. I went to do an interview at Bible Society, I passed the interviews. Towards the very end, there was a gentleman who came in from Rwanda. He was the original guy. He came and he says, I can sense that there's a call of God upon your life. But we are not giving you this job because the Lord is telling us, you need to go and work in the secular world where he will build you up before you go into ministry. From there, I went to do interview again with Bible Society in, in Swindon, in the UK. The lady was interviewing me. One of them came from the U- US, the other one British. They said, we can sense there's a call of God upon your life, but we are not giving you this job. I was disappointed. All of you, you are saying there's a call of God, there's a call of God. Give me the opportunity now, you should see the call. And then I meet Pastor Matthew. And I asked her, and, and when Pastor Matthew told me, and I said, no, and me, minister, no, no. So he had to talk to me for some time. And then I asked him a simple question. I said, Pastor Matthew, so should I stop work and go into ministry? And he says, you stop work, your children will hate God. Your wife will hate God. You just have to pray that God gives you the grace to work and also pastor at the very same time. Because at the right time, God is going to release you into ministry. Hallelujah. To all of them, I had to listen. But you know what? I could have chosen not to listen to those and say, I know there is a call. He spoke to me in Malingunde. 9 August 1990. I'm going to go plant a church. I wouldn't have survived in ministry. Having seen what I have seen, I wouldn't have survived. So I'm saying these things that God will give you a chance to take you what? Your time. And that time is not just, I'm taking my time. No, you are praying. You are seeking him. You are seeking counsel. You are doing research. You are doing due diligence. You are doing everything else. Anyone else who tell you, no, 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 no. It's not God. You can go ask Apostle Steamer what I've said. You can go ask Bishop Mpinda what I've said. 
You can go ask Evangelist Lungo what I've said. You can go ask Pastor Matthew about what I've said. There was a point when I felt like going into ministry there. I was, oh, no, slow down. Number three. Philippians 4 verse 8. So anyone in here who was about to make a very quick decision, slow down. Amen? What, have I, what has pastor said? Slow down. Take your time. Seek counsel. Take time to pray. Take time to seek God. Do research. Do due diligence. Come to people. Let ask people. Is this, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm feeling. Would I by any chance have missed God? Because the devil also speaks. Amen? But when he has spoken and you have done all these things, and he said, now move, then you will what? Move. But it's not going to be a quick deadline. It's not, he is not going to be in a hearst, not Jehovah. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Amen? The voice of God speaks good things. Hallelujah. It speaks good things. It does not... If, if, you, if you hear a voice and the voice is condemning, it's not God. Amen? What, what did I just say, church? I told you we are doing Bible study today now. I don't preach like this. Have I preached like this before? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. If you hear a voice and the voice is condemning you, it is condemning you that you have not obeyed to the core. It's not God. It is condemning you that you didn't buy that car. It's not God. It is condemning you that you didn't say yes to that man. It's not God. The voice of God speaks good things. And I'm going to show you. When God has got something to challenge you on, or when God wants to speak to you about something, but that thing is not so great, he says it in a nice way. So let's, let me show you how he says it. We are going to read three scriptures. Amen? Three scriptures. For me to prove it to you, that he says it, he says it in a nice way. It's hard, but he says it in a nice way. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or pestilence among, or send pestilence among my people. Now, in verse 13, who is shutting up the heaven? God. Who is sending the locusts to devour the land? Which land is this? Which land is this? The land of Israel. Alright? So, he is sending locusts to devour the land of Israel. He is sending pestilence, the one we read in Psalm 91, among his people. He says, among my people. Who are these people? The children of Israel. He has shut up the land among his own very people. The reason they have done something. I, I want to say something before I carry on. 
You know, when God punishes, when God punishes, if, if there's punishment on Malawi, this is my opinion. So I should do qualified. Mostly it's not going to be because of the sinners. Faith, I would out We agree? Mostly it's not because of the sinners. Because you know what? The sinners, that's already their lifestyle. He makes rain to fall on both the righteous and the unrighteous. So, so these guys, it's already their lifestyle. Most of the time when punishment comes, it comes because of people like us. We know the truth, then we decide to disobey God. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. He's challenging them. Because I know we love verse 14. But we forget the other part. What, what, what God is saying is, you know what? You mess up. If you turn back to me, I'll forgive you. Amen? Because this one was a warning that God was giving to Solomon to give to the children of Israel and says, you know what? Every time these guys have done this thing, I want them to turn around their life. Because the, deci- the person who makes a decision to turn around their life is them. So I'll make them turn around their life in a nice way. And so he speaks this thing. He says, like, if they humble themselves and pray, I'm going to hear and will heal their land. And I'll hear the prayer that is offered again in this place. I'll forget that which made me to send the locust. I'll forget that which made me to withhold the rain. I'll forget that which made me to punish them. I'll heal their land. Amen? So his voice speaks good things. Number two, Isaiah 1 verse 18. Come now. And, and that one, he's not, he's not saying, come now. Uh-uh. He says, come now. Come now. Let us reason together. That's God, eh? Because it says there, Isaiah 1, 18. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. Have you seen any exclamation mark there? Huh? No, maybe in your Bible there's an exclamation mark. Because the exclamation mark, there was somebody shouting. Right? But if you read this one, it's even nice. Come now. Come. Come, let us reason together. I want to hear your case. But I also present my case to you. Listen, even though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Even though they may be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and you rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. It's speaking good things. The men bring the woman 
Uyu juta mugwila in the act of adultery and the pomose in his laws. He said stone, 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 stone. They had the stones. Whoever has not seen a man, let him throw the first stone. And the guys run. Jesus rises up, talks to the woman, says, He didn't say, Where are your accusers? The Bible says, He said, Where are your accusers? He says, They are all gone. He says, You know what? Neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Go sin no more is not going to be easy. So when God speaks, he gives you a hope and he gives you a solution. In all these scriptures I've read, he gives you a solution. Let me read you the last one. Romans 6.23 I know us preachers, when we preach, we shout. But when you see this one, this is how it says. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no exclamation mark. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what I want to say is this. Because his voice speaks good things. No matter at what state you may be in your life right now. Even though what you may have done, you did it in disobedience to God. But if you just turn to God. Your tomorrow is going to be better. Amen? Your tomorrow is going to be better. You won't cry forever. Your tomorrow will be better. That's how God, that's, that's, that's a voice of God. The Bible says things that are true, things that are noble, things that are lovely, things that are pure, things that are of a good report, things that are praiseworthy, things that have got virtue. Meditate on these things. Number four, as I begin to close. Second Timothy chapter three, 16 to 17. So what is number one? Well, the, how to discern the voice of God. What is number one? Huh? Church? Today is Bible study. The first one is what? There is no fear. There is no fear associated with this voice. Anytime there is fear associated with that, it's what? It's not God. Number two. There's no haste. Amen? There's no what? Isaiah 52 verse 12 as well. talks about the very same thing. There's no haste. He will give you time to what? To pray. To seek his first. To seek counsel. Carry on. Do research. Do due diligence. Amen? Number three. His voice what? speaks good things. He doesn't condemn. He speaks good things. Romans 8.1, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't condemn. It, it brings conviction. They convict you. You begin to reason. Because you begin to say, I'm going to that he wants to reason with me, me, mortal man. He wants to listen. He wants to hear what I'm saying. Number four, Second Timothy chapter three, and then I'll close. Just one last one. All scripture 
is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the man of God may be what? Complete. That's God's desire, that you be complete, that you be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, here's number four. When God speaks, it is in harmony with the whole counsel of God. It is in harmony. There is no contradiction with another verse of scripture or with another principle that God has put in his word. You will never find one. God is not going to tell you to do something that is going to be in conflict with another one of his own word. He will not. He will not. He is not going to tell you, marry an unbeliever. If you are already married, that's another story. So I'm not saying go divorce. But if you are not married, the word of God is very clear. Do not be unequally yoked together with what? Unbelievers. So you cannot say, you are trying to, to write another Bible. I, I should say this. There will never ever be another scripture apart from these scriptures. What we believe as believers is that there was a group of people one time led by God, led by the spirit of God under the inspiration of the Lord God Almighty. Because somebody is going to ask me and say, ah, kuma Bible manena wudi, zonse zimena napanga yesu, zika nakala wudi zinale mbedo, spana kama mabuku, odaka nakuwa nira zikolo pansi. You know what? What we know is that when God spoke to these people, they put together the Bible and that Bible is 66 books of the Bible and there will never ever be another scripture apart from these scriptures. Hallelujah. So he's not going to tell you go for an unbeliever. If he's going to tell you go for an unbeliever, then remember what I said earlier on. There has to be a testimony of other believers. There has to be a really mature, 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 who says, you know what, I have prayed, I have sought God. Then he has prepared you that whatever you go through, you will not backslide. But, but he is not ever, ever going to contradict himself. He is not God. Amen? The Bible, what we believe is that all the word of God is inspired by God. It is profitable. So if there is a contradiction, it's either the person who read that scripture has misinterpreted that scripture or they have deliberately chosen to misapply it. Amen? He is not going to tell you violate one scripture because you want to follow another scripture. That's not God talking to you. Other people will tell you and say like, Bible, Luke chapter 18 verse 1, men ought always to pray. Therefore me, I'm not going to work. I'll just be praying. And as I pray, things will be just coming on their own. The Bible also says in Thessalonians, those who do not work should not eat. Hallelujah. So if you'd come unto me and say, with your conviction and say, God has told me, 
that I shouldn't work. I should just be praying. So pastor, Monday to Saturday, I'll be sleeping in the church, praying. It's not God. I'll send you back and I'll tell you it's not God. Hallelujah. Because God says, who does not, he who doesn't work should also not eat. Amen? There are others who say, me, I can worship alone at home. And, and the Lord will still, whatever. Hebrews 10, 25, 20, 24, 25, 26, if I'm not wrong, says, do not stop assembling together. Because there are others who say, God spoke to them, could the husband head up a TV? It's not God. Hallelujah. It's not God. It says, as it is the habit of some. I want you to understand church. But you need the church. Hallelujah. You need the church. Today you have told us that God spoke to you to be praying on TV. Let the TV marry you. Let the TV bury you. Let the TV rise up one day and escort you to the grave and, and let the TV bury you. And after it has buried you, let the TV walk back home. You need the church. Hallelujah. You need the church. Tell your neighbor you need the church. Tell them the pastor is saying the truth. You need the church now. You need it. I, I, I can assure you, you need us. You need the church. Amen. You need believers. You need believers to help you to become everything God intended you to become. Not the TV. Hallelujah. There is something about worshiping together that makes us to stay in the will of God. So all these people say, where have you been? No, I've been home. Three months I've been home. Seven months I've been home. Nine months I've been home. And then they say, oh, but pastor, I was praying on TV. Ah. All the people who say tithing is an Old Testament thing, it's not a New Testament thing, it's not of God. Why am I saying that? Let's go to Matthew 23, 23. Amen? So today I'll answer it and I'll answer it for the last time. Everybody who says, no, tithing, it's an Old Testament thing. It's not a New Testament thing. These pastors, they just want to steal. But uh, let me also say this. Even in the church, you are going to find agamberembere. You are going to find people who eat people's tithe. And tithe, you don't give to a pastor. Hallelujah. Don't come to me one day and say, hey, pastor, so I came to give you a tithe. I don't receive tithe. Tithe comes to his house. Amen? You don't give a tithe to a man of God. When you find that scripture, come and show me. Then I'll, I'll, I'll begin to obey you. But let me, let me, before I digress, Matthew 23, 23. Are you there? Jesus says, Ababagoma, he was shouting now. Says, what to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you pay tithe of mint. How many of you know mint? There's a, there's a crop called mint. You, you, you can actually, you can cut it and put it in your tea and the tea smells mint. You have tried. Amen? So it says, you pay tithe of mint. You pay tithe of anise. You pay tithe of cumin. You know cumin? Those of you who cook, eh? you know cumin. 
he almost wanted to tell them, you pay tithe of coriander and rosemary. So he says, you pay tithe of these things. This is in the New Testament he's talking. But have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So Jesus is saying, justice, true. Mercy, true. Faith, true. But the tithe you also need to give. Or or are you understanding it differently from the way I'm understanding it? So he says, you you, you are giving the tithe. Because there are even other people, I'm a bit of and they think no, 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 no. Receiving in the manner will receive, but you bear the consequences yourself. Hallelujah. Because, because that's what these guys are thinking. They are tithing on mint and anise and cumin. But the other issues, which are the weightier matters of the law, they, they have neglected them. Mercy, they have neglected. Faith, they have neglected. Justice, they have neglected. He says, these things, all of them you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So why then do we want to say, Kuchecha will come, but tithe I will not give. Amen? Church will come. When I am in need, I need the church to come to my rescue, but, but tithe I will not give. How are we going to support you and support others in the church when you don't give the tithe? How are we going to pay for electricity bills? When somebody is bereaved in this church, we give a support towards the funeral. The only thing we don't do in care is this man in a good lengezan. But there are people we have bought coffins for from this church. Hallelujah. We bought coffins for people when they have been bereaved. They don't have money. We have bought coffins for people to assist our brothers and sisters. We have given Ramayaji papers. The only thing is we don't announce. But I want you to know we do. Because somebody else may be telling you, church is major, some American Ramayaji papers. Tima Pereka. Amen? Tima Pereka. When somebody else is, somebody is going through some, people are going through some really hard time in their lives, there are people who have come through to rescue them. To assist them and say, okay, here's some money, start a business. Where, where do you think we get that money from? So don't just say, pastor, pray for me. Give the tithe also. Don't say, ah, no, that tithe is in the Old Testament. Then prayer is also for the Old Testament. Then don't come to me and to pray for you. Why are you leaving the other and you want, want to choose the other? Amen, church. So anybody who tell you, hey, you know, these arguments which goes on on Facebook and people arguing, hey, tithe is the Old Testament and therefore, I say, it's your issue. Me, I, my Bible is not Facebook. My Bible is my Bible. Let me finish with the last one. Pamela Bob, I think in Naiwala Zodi today we are doing Bible study. Amen? Let me do the last one. Very last one. So what is the the fourth number four? There is no contradiction. It is in harmony. I almost wanted to give you an opportunity to ask me questions, but we don't have time. The last one. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. 
Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So if you have a complaint against another believer, what is the Bible saying? Forgive them. Amen? Most of the times when people fight in a church, it's because of ego. He didn't treat me the way I wanted to be treated. You will not always be treated nice. But that's not, this, that's not the point. Sorry. But 14. But above all these, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. For to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So here's a point. When God speaks and talks to you, there is inner peace. There's internal calmness. Because God rules by peace. Amen? 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So God is a God of peace. He doesn't govern, he doesn't rule by tension. Amen? He helps you to make determinations of your life with peace. Now, this peace, this peace does not mean the absence of storms, turmoil, externally. Because there are other people who leave their marriage not because of the reasons that the Bible allows for, of which Moses even said it's because of the hardness of your heart. They leave their marriage because they were arguing a lot. And both of them never agreed to go for counseling. So their argument was like, my issues are to this banga resolve talk. Now, mugani ka ubanga resolve, maka mugani ka zakazonsezi, panopande munao kutu mubanga resolve knock. I wonder that kind of thinking. Oh. You have failed to resolve your issues all this time. Now you say, no, we will resolve ourselves. So then, part of the resolving the issues is you decide to leave that marriage. Then you begin to tell people, you know what? Right now, I feel at peace. That's not the peace I'm talking about. Amen? That's not the peace I'm talking about. Just because there is no more turmoil, just because there is no more arguments, now you are saying, now you feel at peace. That's not the kind of peace. We are talking about inner peace. Amen? You are not saying, I am at peace, and yet you know that what you have done is in contrast with God's word. That's why I said there is harmony. Amen? Amen? When there is absence of drama and then you are at peace, then you say, now I'm at peace. That's not what I'm talking about. So I'm going to give you two scriptures to show you the kind of peace I'm talking about. Amen? 
What I'm saying, I will qualify it. So what I'm saying is, there is turmoil outside. There's coronavirus outside. And everybody's making decisions out of fear. And everybody's doing whatever they are doing out of fear. Amen? So even you wearing this mask, it shouldn't be because you are afraid. <laughs> it should be because you are adhering to the preventive measures. You know, the corona Hallelujah. And you are not acting so you are wearing the mask. You shouldn't wear this mask and say, hey, I'm afraid. So that you wear a mask. Amen. Hallelujah. So let me let me finish this one. Matthew chapter 4. Tiwerenge meneyo inayo ningo kuzani sindi werenga. Matthew chapter 4 because it's 29 past 9. I'm sorry. But I hope you have picked something. No, Mark. Mark, not Matthew. Nana Matthew? Yeah, Mark. What you're going to see here is that the disciples are doing exactly what the Lord has taught them to do. And Jesus is in the boat, but there is a storm. Alright? So let's read it. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a, grew, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen? Why I put it at the end is because sometimes you can be right in the middle of God's will and he guides you into a storm. But when he has guided you into the storm, you are right in the middle of a storm, but you are in, right in the middle of God's will. And at that point, there is peace. Amen? There is peace. The reason is because the storm actually, it helps you to become what you are today. In 2017, as most of you know, I died. And because I've gone through the death process, I'm not afraid of coronavirus. If I die of corona, just knew goodi mpano mene mungwana mpata magdaf. Hai mene mungwana mpata magdaf between 2017. Ndiyo nchito mene anaka kuda agwire watani wa maliza. And I'll go to heaven. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I can assure you, I'm not afraid of coronavirus. Sometimes I'm using, temperature I'm checking. 
ginger, lemon and honey I'm drinking. Vitamin C I will take. But I'm not going to take that because I'm afraid. But you know what? God may have allowed all these things and led us into this storm right now to help us to become a people that believe in his word. Any storm that God is going to lead you into, it helps you to become who you are today. So don't make decisions to avoid drama. Don't make decisions to avoid turmoil. Don't make decisions to avoid storms. Because others will say, Yes, it happens. But don't do that out of fear. Do it that, okay, the church is 100 adzadza. Therefore, I can't go for second service and or I have got an assignment somewhere else. I will. If the government says, second machalichi, machalichi titani, titeka. But you not come here without a mask on. Even this microphone, initially I was using this. But afterwards, it was moving too much on my mouth. So I had to take these sanitized wipes. I sanitized the microphone and I'm using it. So I'm not going to do some things anyhow because I'm saying I'm a man of faith. No, 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 no. That's lack of faith. But what I'm saying is that God can lead you right into a storm. He told them, let us go to the other side. And to the other side, they were what? They were going. But as they were going to the other side, they came straight into a storm. But one thing that Jesus did was he told them, peace be still. And I want to speak to you, KICC. Peace be still. The Lord is with us. Amen? Amen? Do not allow to be governed by fear. Now, the last one which I will read, I'm not going to read the scripture. Jonah chapter 1. God has told Jonah, go to Nineveh. Preach to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah decides, I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I'm going to go to Tashish. So the man buys a ticket, is on the way to Tashish. But Tashish was outside of what? God's will. So the Bible says there was also a storm on the sea. And very, very funny that in the very same way that Jesus was sleeping, Jonah also went to what? To sleep. Outside of God's will, the man was sleeping. Maybe he was like, and possibly when he was sleeping, he says, hey, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. So the Bible says the seller was busy trying to control the sheep. And Jonah says, no, I am Jonah. This is what I've done. I'm running away from God. And then the Bible says the ship captain decided they should take the sheep to the shore. When you read Jonah chapter 1. And then the Bible says, that's when even the wind grow even stronger. After they have ended up throwing into throwing into throwing into throwing into the sea. All their merchandise and everything else. They are thrown into the sea. Until Jonah says, you know what? Just take me and throw me into the sea. And the Bible says, immediately they took him and threw him into the sea. The sea was calm. Now, I want to say a few things. 
and I'll close because I know I'm beyond my time. Jonah, by being outside of God's will, he ended up causing drama for everybody else. And yet, when he was causing drama, the Bible says that the guy was asleep. He made people lose their, their merchandise, lose their investments, lose everything they had. He, they lost everything because, because of his disobedience. So when I'm talking about peace, it is peace because you know you are obeying God and not disobeying God. And when you are obeying God and not disobeying God, God is going to give you peace. There is going to be internal calmness. You're going to be at peace. You're going to be calm. So I want to speak to us, KICC. Through these five things, you will descend the voice of God. Anything else, God is going to help you. Next week, I will talk about five more things which we have come to believe it is the voice of God when it's actually the voice of the devil. But I'll talk about those next week. Next week. You will actually see how many times we have followed the voice of the devil and not the voice of God. So number one, his voice, there's no fear associated with it. Number two, huh? there's no haste. Right? He will give you time to do the things I've mentioned. Number three, Huh? He speaks good things. Even if he wants to rebuke, he will say it nicely. To make you do sagui and kunagudindanya nyara mulunguyonda bita. But you begin to reason. Number four, there is no contradiction with the scriptures. And finally, there is internal calmness, there is peace. And this peace is not because you are disobeying God and now you begin to tell us, ah, now I'm at peace. Since I left KICC, you know now I'm at peace. Ah, that's not God. Amen? Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. Help us, Lord. To hearken, to obey your voice. We live in this time where there is just a lot of turmoil. But we want to thank you that you remain God. And because we trust in you, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. We thank God this past week we have prayed over and over for the church for everybody in this house. We are grateful for your mercy. We are grateful for everything you are doing. As we leave today. And we begin to hear again. About the storm. Lord help us to remember these words. Peace. Be still. For I am the Lord your God. And if there is anywhere where we have messed up, Lord, just help us that we just come back. We just come back to you. 
because you lead and you guide. Be glorified. Be exalted. May your name be glorified. May your name be magnified. I don't know you may be going through a certain kind of a storm right now, not just COVID-19, but maybe in another kind of storm. I, I I didn't go through all sorts of the storms. And your heart is troubled. And you're saying, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I'm not asking you to come to the front. I just want you to lift up your hand. I just want to pray for you. You can take those hands down. Take them down. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, the Bible tells us that you are the Prince of Peace. You are Jehovah Shalom. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. The Bible is clear that you keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed on you. I pray for your children Lord. These are your people. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you give them perfect peace. I pray right now peace. Be still. Peace. Be still. The disciples, the apostles said, Master, the tempest is raging. Care you not. And he said, Peace. Be still. So I pray for the internal calmness that you speak to them and say, Tomorrow is going to be okay. Tomorrow is going to be better. This thing is not going to swallow you and finish you off. And we will say like David, if the Lord had not been on our side, when men rose up against us, we could have been consumed alive. Direct us by your word, O Lord, and let no iniquity be found in us. We give you glory, we give you praise. We continue to speak the blood of Christ. We continue to speak the name of Jesus. We continue to trust in you, Jehovah. May be magnified. May you be uplifted. We pray for our brothers and our sisters who are not able to make it to church today. Keep them and keep their minds at peace. Any storm your children are going through right now, we speak peace. It could be a financial storm, peace. It could be a health storm, peace. It could be an emotional storm, it could be a physical storm, peace. It could be bereavement, peace. It could be whatever kind of storm it is, peace. Let the peace of God reign. Let the peace of God reign. We thank you, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hope you've been encouraged today, amen.